Welcome to the Stuttgart Missional Community Church Sermon Podcast. SMCC is a multicultural church serving the English-speaking community in Stuttgart, Germany. For more information or to contact us, visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net. I got good news. I mean, really good news. You know, we're working our way through the Bible. We started last September. We're just now to the book of Leviticus. Okay. I mean, that's pretty new in the Bible. That's it. That's how far we've gotten right here. Okay. But the good news is we're going to spend one day in the book of Leviticus, just one day. And we're going to spend it all in chapter 16. Now, if you're going through the Bible with us and you're reading the Bible all the way through, I commend that. That's awesome. But you just got a lot of reading this week, okay, to catch up. But we're going to be in Leviticus chapter 16 talking about the atonement. A picture of atonement uh, today is the, the title of my message. And uh, now, this is not to say, the, 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 the brevity of our stay in Leviticus is not to say it's not important, okay? All Scripture is God-breathed. The Bible tells us that. A lot of what's in Leviticus is really, really important, but we're going to see it reiterated elsewhere in Scripture, and so we're just not going to spend a lot of time in it right now. But uh, I do encourage you to read it. I'm just looking at here, chapter 15, Laws About Bodily Discharges. Who? What? Awesome. Read that. Okay, read that stuff. Uh, there's a lot of laws in Leviticus. That was a joke. Everybody relax, man. Uh, but today we're going to talk about the atonement. And um, before we get into the scripture and start reading and dive in, I want to I want to tell you a little bit about me. I, there was a day where I was thinner and better looking and younger. And I used to play ice hockey. And uh, I'm pretty sure that's how I messed up my knee pretty much permanently. Uh, but I played ice hockey in San Antonio is probably where I played the most. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I understand that. But uh, San Antonio is where I played a lot of ice hockey. And on occasion, I would go to the pickup nights, which were about 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock at night when the ice would be free and you would just basically practice with other guys. Now, once in a while, sometimes some of the San Antonio iguanas would show up. Right? That's San Antonio's version of professional hockey. And they'd show up. Now, I was pretty good. Okay, I mean, I played defense. I could hold my own on the ice. But when we played the pros, when they came out to mess with us, that's exactly what they were doing. They were toying with us. Like I said, I play defense. And so I'm skating backwards and it'd be like, boom, boom. And that guy was gone, gone. And so the, any illusion of me being good or someday, maybe if I would have just had the right opportunity playing professional hockey was totally eliminated. Okay. This was the San Antonio Guanas, still 98% of our players imported from Canada. Okay. I mean, it's like the lowest level of American hockey and here they are. And they were just schooling us, man. And you're like, where's the story going? Well, I don't know. No, it's going right here. What happens is we think we're doing okay. We think we're doing pretty good. And then when we encounter true greatness, we realize how we're not very good at all. And in that moment on the ice, I realized how bad I really stink. And even though I'm, I'm pretty good with the guys I play with, it turns out they stink too. And I'm just the least stinky of the stinky, right? But when we started playing against these iguanas and these pros that would come out and they just skate right, you just realized how, I just realized how bad I was. 
Now, today I'm talking about the atonement, and where I'm leading here is when we stand in the presence of God, when we meet Jesus face to face, when we, when we either leave, etern- we leave for eternity because of our death or because of his return, we're going to be in the presence of God. The Bible promises us to be absent in the bodies, to be in the presence of the Lord. Even those going to hell will see Jesus at some point. And in that moment, we are going to understand our wretchedness. Here on earth, we think we're doing okay. You know, we think we're all right. And there are a lot of people without Christ who think, hey, I don't need Jesus. I'm doing okay. I've got a career. I've got a job. You know, my family's doing okay. My marriage is okay. And that may be very, that very well may be true. But one day they're going to see Jesus. And one day we're going to see Jesus. And in that moment, we're going to realize our, our, the full weight, the full scope of our wretchedness before Christ when we stand before a holy holy God. And this is important because as we get into Leviticus and we study the tabernacle and we start to understand the presence of God and the mercy seat and the holy of holies and all these things about, you know, the tabernacle and traveling around with the Israelites, we're going to understand that the holy presence of God cannot be violated by sin, right? It's a holy place. And when you're in the presence of God, if you're not just right and just so, you're going to die, you're going to die. So let's, on that note, let's get into the message, right? <laughs> Leviticus chapter 16, verse 2 is where we're going to start. We're going to go 16, verse 2 through 6, then we're going to skip down to verse 15 and 19, and then we're going to finish up in 20 and 22, all right? For, this, for, this, for the sake of uh, time, we're just going to s- skip around even in 16 a little bit. So start with me in um, verse 2. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat. But in this way, Aaron shall come to the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. Verse four, he shall Put on the holy linen coat and shall have the holy linen undergarment on his body. And he shall tie a linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. He shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram ram for a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. A couple of things we learn from the Israelites so far and that we can carry on forward with us even into today is that all humanity has been ruined by sin. Sin has, we have willfully sinned against God and our willful sin against God. And even if you are that one, you are not, but if you thought you were the one person who had made it through your entire life not sinning, You've already sinned because you've lied, okay? So you've told a lie. You're definitely a sinner. We have all willfully sinned against God. I mean, really, we all know that. And it has ruined our relationship with a holy God because our sin makes us unclean before God. Now, when we think of the word unclean, we think of dirt. We think of, you know, running around in your bare feet in the cow pasture. That's what we think of, right? We think of just being dirty. But unclean refers to two things in the Bible, physically unclean, but also ritually unclean. And that's really what we're talking about here with Aaron. Aaron, 
you know, bathed, put on the holy garments, had to offer up the ram, not because he was physically unclean, but because he was spiritually unclean. He was a sinner. And because all humanity has been ruined by sin, atonement must be made. Now, this is an act of grace on God's behalf because we don't die for our own sin. Even in the Old Testament, even in Leviticus, God permitted a substitutionary, this is a very important word, phrase, substitutionary atonement. The substitutionary atonement was the ram for Aaron, and it was the, uh, excuse me, the bull for Aaron, and it was the goat for the people. And this was, this, this animal died for the sins of Israel. So not only has all humanity been corrupted by sin, but in our corruption, we think we make God like us, and we approach God casually. Now, we can see from Aaron, Aaron's preparation, this guy, he had to be prepared to go into the holies of holies. He had to take a bath. He had to put on specific clothes before he even dared approach the holy of holies. And we, we learn actually from Aaron's sons, like a few chapters earlier, Nadab and Abihu, who dare approach the holy of holies and offer incense to the Lord on their own, just basically of their own accord. So they just decide one day they're going to go in and they're going to go into the temple and they're just going to do their own thing and they're going to approach God any way they want, very casually. And what happens to these two? They're struck dead. They're struck dead. Because one thing that we, we talked about in our growth group last week, or at least one thing I realized through last week's study, is that our relationship with God is completely conditional upon him. Do you understand that? The fact that we have a relationship is all because of him, nothing because of you or me. And so he sets the rules. He makes the rules. Now, we don't like rules. We don't like God telling us what to do. We don't, maybe Aaron was like, I, don't, I hate the linen ephod. It, it's itchy, okay? I hate it. In the turban, it's hot. Do you know how hot it is out here? All right? But God sets the parameters by which we come to him. And this is what the Lord has said. You know, before you can enter into my presence, you will bathe. You will put on the holy garments. And then you will come into the presence of God. And just, just to be clear, when we decide we're going to approach God any way we want, and we circumvent his instructions, we've made ourselves God, and we violated one of the Ten Commandments. We've made an idol God in our lives. right? Because we can't approach God any way we want. He sets the, the parameters by which we approach him. Another thing we can learn from this passage is that God is holy. God is holy. In all of the laws of Leviticus, in all of the Bible, it talks about what we ought to do. We also see a reflection of who God is in his character. See, God is not a murderer. God is not a thief. God does not covet. We see a picture of God's nature and his commands for us. God is holy. And God is absolutely just. If God were to judge you and I today on our own merit and condemn, condemn us to hell, he would be just in doing so. Now, this is, this is kind of a fire and brimstone sermon just yet, but we're going to get to the good news of the atonement in a moment, all right? Bear with me. But you know, if you were to stand before a holy God today, no, Jesus is not involved. You were to stand before a holy God and you'd be judged by your, the attitude of your heart and your actions in life so far, you know you would deserve punishment. Punishment. Each one of us is a liar, a thief, an adulterer at heart. We've all committed sin. And God would be just in condemning us. 
and passing judgment on us. And see, this is what's so amazing about the atonement, and this is so amazing even about the sacrificial system of the Jews, is God understood all this even before he created us. Do you, can you get your mind wrapped around that for a second? Before he created us, he knew he'd create us with a free will. He knew in that free will we would sin. And God wasn't surprised by Adam and Eve's action. He's not surprised He's not surprised by the disobedience of the Israelites. He's not surprised by any of that. He foresaw it from the beginning of creation. And yet, he still created us. Now, many of us would be like, eh, it's not worth the hassle, right? It's not, it's not worth it. It's not worth all this. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God so loved the world that he created us knowing he would have to give his only son. And God, because God is holy, because God is perfect, and because judgment must be fulfilled and the wrath of God must be poured out, he offers a way for that to happen without destroying his creation. Here we see the substitutionary atonement of animals. But soon, in the New Testament, we'll see Jesus is the perfect, sinless priest who doesn't need to offer any, any bull for his own sin. See, Aaron was an imperfect priest. You have an imperfect pastor, and every pastor you've ever had is imperfect. Every priest that you've ever sat under ministry is imperfect. But Jesus came as the perfect priest who didn't have to offer any sacrifice for his own sin, and that's important in in a couple of ways. Number one, he needed to be unblemished and undefiled in order for his sacrifice to be perfect, but in order for him to be the high priest who offers that sacrifice, he also had to be perfect. And see, the title of today's sermon is The Picture of Atonement. And we can focus on the animal sacrifices, which is really foreign to us today, right? We don't think about animal sacrifice. We don't think a whole lot about ritual. I mean, I'm standing here before you today, not in a linen ephod, but an R&R casual shirt from the PX and blue jeans, right? That's what I'm, you know, it's, it's a different, it's different. And to kind of get our mind wrapped around what it was like for the Israelites is difficult. But we can take this away from it. God is holy, and he demands that his people be holy. And you and I know we can never be holy in ourselves. We can never be perfect. Skip down to verse 15 with me. He says, talking about Aaron, He shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat, In front of the mercy seat, thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanliness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all of their sins. And he shall do it uh, for the tent of meeting, which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleanliness. Verse 17, no one may enter in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times and cleanse it and and consecrate it. From the very beginning, this we we talk about not a lot of churches aren't talking about the blood anymore because it's it, it hearkens these images of of uh, animals with their, you know, with their throats open and blood spilling out. And we, we see here a picture of a priest dipping his hands in the warm blood and 
sprinkling it upon the altar and upon the mercy seat. We think this is, this is savage. This is, this is so far removed from everything we understand. And so we just kind of dismiss it. But we can't stop talking about the blood. We can't stop talking about the blood that cleanses the people and this substitutionary atonement of this, of this animal. And some of you, like Stacy and I, might be asking, well, do Jews today sacrifice animals? Because if they don't believe in the Messiah, where is the atonement for their sin? Now, I researched this, and you're probably better off asking a Jew this, okay, really, to be honest with you. But from what I understand is that since the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D., Jews have stopped offering sacrifices because the place where they offer the sacrifices has been destroyed, okay? Now, this didn't happen immediately, but after the temple was destroyed, it kind of slowly, the Jews separated into two factions, one who thought sacrifices should continue and one that thought they should not. And the Jews who thought you should not continue offering sacrifices eventually won out. And the tradition of, of the atoning sacrifice or substitutionary atonement with animal sacrifice died out from the Jewish culture and Jewish religion. What it's, what it's been replaced by, I, I find this interesting, and it opens up a whole more, a whole bunch of other questions, is they've replaced the substitutionary atonement with prayer and good works. And I think that's, that's kind of, what, if that was possible, if that's possible now, why wasn't it possible then? Why was animal sacrifice demanded then? Why is, why is the sacrifice of Christ on the cross demanded then and now? Right. If if you and I can get to heaven, and this is a a wide, a, a a huge number of people in every culture believe this. If you just do good things and you believe in God, you're going to go to heaven. If that was true, Jesus died for nothing. Do you understand that? Jesus died for nothing, and everything Jesus said about himself was a lie. There's a lot of implications in this belief, and 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 what's crazy is. We have to be very careful as Christians because this kind of weaves its way even into contemporary doctrine, this idea of good works. If I just do the right thing, and see, this is where Muslims are too, all right? You know, we were talking earlier about how we all kind of started with the God of Abraham. But after Ishmael was split off, we've kind of gone our own ways. And once Jesus came, we split off from the Jewish church, the Jewish faith, and we became Christians, Okay? But this idea of sacrifice and worship of one God, it actually does go back. We kind of all have one root back in the day. But what does that make of, of Islam today? What's that make of Judaism today? Well, if a half-truth is a lie, then we know that we have false religions in both of these. right? And it seems weird to say, especially the Jewish faith, but every single Jew needs Jesus. Every single Jew needs Jesus. We need the substitutionary atonement of Christ in our lives. But here in Leviticus, we see that even they understood in the moment that this was an imperfect sacrifice because it was offered annually, right? It was imperfect because every year they had to repeat it. Every year the atonement had to be, amen. Every year the atonement had to be made. This ritual repeated. But Jesus came, when he came, he's the perfect priest, and he offered the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. Hebrews 9.11 tells us this, When Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, 
Then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, um, purify our conscience from the dead works to serve the living God? Jesus, here we get a, a really wonderful picture in Hebrews. We learned in Leviticus that the bull, the blood of the bull and of the goat was sprinkled upon the altar. Today, we believe as Christians that Jesus has made the Christian, the Christian's heart, his home, right? We, the, the Spirit of God fills the believer. Now, this is only possible through going back to Leviticus and going and seeing what Jesus has actually done here. This is really phenomenal. You could only go into holies of holies by sacrifice, by, by preparation. Today, the Spirit of God can only live in the Christian because the blood of the Holy Lamb of God has been sprinkled upon the hearts of the believer, therefore making it holy. This is, this is pretty cool, right? You think of Levit ah, Leviticus, whatever. I'll just go straight to John, right? But you get back in here and you see what's really entailed in all of this, that the only reason that Jesus lives in our heart, the only reason we can have this intimate personal relationship with Jesus is because he was the perfect substitutionary atonement because his blood was shed and because his blood has been sprinkled upon the hearts of the believer, he is able to make our hearts, in effect, the mercy seat, the presence of God in each person. This is pretty awesome stuff, right? And, and because of this, because of this sacrifice, because of what Jesus has done, we get to enjoy this. This is church. And what is church? Church is not a building. Church is believers coming together. How do we know the presence of God is here today? How do we know the presence of God? Dwell, does, it dwell, does the Spirit of God dwell in the seats? Does he dwell in the altar? Does he, does he dwell on the platform or, or in this pulpit? No. We know the presence of God is here because we are here. And he has made our heart his home. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And where we are gathered together, there is joy, there is peace, there is free. You know, there, this, this thing, you can make an altar. My altar in my home is in my office. I have a big comfortable chair. And underneath the chair, I have a couple of kneeling pads. And that's, that's where I make my altar every morning. That's where I pray. And the presence of God is as thick there as it is here. Even in Thursday night prayer, all, all of it, we bring the Spirit of God with us. It's really important, but that doesn't mean that we get to forsake community. It doesn't mean, well, God lives in my heart. You know, no, the Bible tells us that we need one another, that we depend on one another. And believe me, there are going to come times in your life that even the life-giving Spirit of God living in you is going to have a hard time praying for something. You're going to come against it, and you're going to need each other. You know, if if Maybe you haven't come to this point yet, and God bless you. God bless you. Bless your heart. All right? You haven't come to this point yet. But I've been in a place in my life where I can't even find the words to pray. You know, because I'm just so broken. I'm so, but I know I have people around me who can pray, who will lift me up, who will help me. And so the Spirit of God lives in us, church. It's important and yes, you're right to count yourself unworthy of it. 
You are. You are. You are unworthy of it. Each one of us is unworthy of this substitutionary atonement of Christ. Each one of us is unworthy of it. He did it because he loves us. He desires mercy more than sacrifice. That's the only reason that we're saved today. That's the only reason we get to enjoy it. Not by works, lest any man should boast, but because of the grace of God are we able to enter into the holies of holies and know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Go with me to verse 20 as we wrap up in our last point. It's going to be quick today. That's all right. Maybe. Every time I say that, I really get on the last point, so we'll see. (laughs) Verse 20. And he has made an end, oh, excuse me, when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. Verse 21, and Aaron shall lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins. How many of you know that was a long prayer? Say amen. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. This was somebody's job. Verse 22, the goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. This is called the scapegoat. This is where we get the term scapegoat. This is where it all comes from. And there's some terms in here in in Leviticus that talks about a place called Azazel. And it talks about the goat being, the lot being for Azazel. And what we, what we can understand of this word, what we understand of it, is, it just means scapegoat. One of these goats is going to die, and the other one is going to have all the sins of Israel put on it and put out into the wilderness to never be seen again. The scapegoat symboli- symbolically carried the people's sins into the wilderness, never to be seen again. This person whose whole job was to lead the goat out into the wilderness. How many of you know that if this is all you do all year, this is your whole job, that you better do it well, right? And you better get that goat out of town, right? Get it out of town as far away as possible. If that goat's coming back, it's coming back dead, right? It's, yeah, that's how far away you are. They don't want to see it. And this is symbolic of how God forgives. You know, their, their sin was carried out, never to be seen again. God when he forgives, when he, God is the only one who can really forgive and forget. He's, we can't do it. We say do it, forgive and forget, live and let live. We, we can't do it. We can't do it. It's not in us to do it. But it is in God, right? It is in God. He can do it. God no longer held their sins against them. In his grace, he offered total and complete forgiveness. This symbol, I mean, can you imagine being part of the of the, the company of Israel and watching the priest say this long prayer over this goat and watching this goat go out to the wilderness knowing that it's carrying with it your judgment right that, that our sins are being carried I mean that's got to be a great moment right watching that goat just walk away and what a weight off the shoulders of the Israelites too many Christians are still carrying the weight of their sin Right? Now, we're sinners. There's no doubt about it. But in Jesus, on his broad shoulders, he bore the sins of the world. And through his obedience and because of his sacrifice, our guilt and shame are removed as far as the Bible tells us as the east is from the west. 
Think about how far that is, right? You know, if we took two of these young men, right, we took the Just Brothers, and we sent one out west, and we sent one out east, and we said, run as far as you can, do not stop, okay? It would be, wouldn't be long where they couldn't see each other, and then it just kept going and going and going as far as the east is from the west. This is how far God has removed our sin, Psalms 103 verse 11 says this, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Church, we must embrace the reality of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. The creator became the created, willingly went to a cross to die for the sins of the people, to make atonement, substitutionary atonement for them. And he was not only our sacrifice, he was our scapegoat. Because on him were the sins of the world. And in that moment, when he cried out his last, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Right? And that's the King James Version. <laughs> why have you forsaken me? In that moment, he was forsaken. Jesus Christ, who had always known felt perfect fellowship, perfect Perfect uh, unity with the Godhead, the God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, who's never been removed from it. And that moment was utterly alone, utterly alone on the cross because of the sins of the world that he bore. Now, we know Jesus didn't remain dead, but on the third day he rose again and he lives forevermore. And as the perfect whole, this is so awesome also. As our perfect holy high priest, he is still... See, we have pastors, and we have priests, and we have bishops, and blah, blah, blah. But these are imperfect people. But as a Christian, you have a perfect holy high priest who makes intercession for you, who stands, who, who is between you and a holy, righteous God. And when God sees you, he doesn't see you for you he sees you through the blood of Jesus who is, that has made you holy. And this is the reason that you and I can pray. On that moment also, right, when Jesus died on the cross, we know that the curtain that celebrate, se separated the holy place, I wish I had a picture, I should have had a picture of the tabernacle, but in this long, basically rectangular building, there was, the, the, there was a holy place, there was like the general place, and there was the holy place, and there were the holies of holies separated by a curtain. And in this moment, when Jesus died, we learn uh, through the Gospels that this curtain was torn in two, forever separating what was keeping people away from the presence of God, right? This is, this is powerful stuff. And, and, and the reason I'm kind of passionate about this, and the reason I say there's too many Christians carrying around sin and they don't understand the complete atonement, because I believe that, because we walk around way too much guilt, right? We're way too afraid of God. Now, the fear of the Lord is different than being afraid of God, right? We, we, we enter in with reverence. We understand his power. We understand his holiness, but we're not afraid of God. He has made us his friend through Jesus. He no longer calls us servants, but he calls us brothers, Jesus says. We need to understand the fullness of the atonement. And I don't think we, again, just like we will never understand the fullness of our sin, I think it's going to be very difficult for us to understand on this, on this earth the fullness of the atonement. But when we see Jesus, when we, Jesus comes back, when we die, when we see Jesus, and we're standing before a perfect, 
holy God, and all of what we really are is exposed before his marvelous light, and we're going to feel so unworthy. We're going to bow down. We're going we're gonna, to, I believe, we'll weep at his feet. In that moment, all of our uncleanliness will be revealed, and he's going to, to the Christian, he's going to say, well done, enter into thy rest. Not because, not because of your cleanliness, because of his because, not because of your righteousness, but because of his. And we're, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I'm going to be surprised, but I may be in that moment. Just like when I fully have understanding of all of my unrighteousness and all of his holiness in that moment. And he says, come, come. It's because of what he's done. It's because his blood covers us and cleanses us. See, Jesus is the better high priest than we see in Leviticus. He's the better sacrifice. He is the better mediator between God and man, closing the great gap that's been created by sin. His love provided a means of salvation for our sin. Salvation we did nothing, nothing to deserve. God loves us, but it's not... And though his love sent Jesus, it's because Jesus died that we're saved, not just because of love. If we say it's just because of love, we sentimentalize the sacrifice Jesus made. It's because he died that we live. It's very important we understand that. It's also under, it, you think about it, really meditate on the word of God sometimes. You know, when the Bible commands us to meditate, it means to think deeper about the implications of what we're reading. We see Jesus, we'll talk in a few, few weeks about Jesus crucified more in depth as we get into Easter, but, you know, the wood that bore his body, he, he spoke that into existence. You know that, right? The people who drove the nails into his hand, he, he formed them from nothing, right? He knew them from his mother's, their mother's womb. You think about that. He's just, we, we can't, it's hard to get our mind wrapped around his great, great love for us, that the creator became the created, and then died a sinner's death on our behalf. That should have been us. It should have been us. In Leviticus, and through the fulfillment of Leviticus, really, in the Gospels, we see the glory of God revealed in such an amazing plan. From the, from the beginning of creation, in Genesis 3.16, we read that God had a plan to send Jesus from the very beginning, from our fathers and mothers, first sins in the Garden of Eden. God had a plan of redemption in place. And though the animal sacrifices are here and recorded in Leviticus, they are an imperfect picture of what's to come. Jesus is a picture of our perfect atonement. And through him we have forgiveness, and our sins have been cast away as far as the east is from the west. That's good, good news. Amen. Told you there was good news. I told you, you know, and really in our study over over Exodus so far and in the Old Testament so far, not all of our messages have had a lot of good news in them. Right. But here we have great, great news. The atoning work of Jesus Christ. And we believe in this church in complete atonement. What's that mean? means that we, we believe we're totally, de- totally depraved, that we're totally lost, that Jesus saves us, okay? So why do I say that? Because there are some, some religions that would teach that if you, it's, it's the grace of God plus you saying so many prayers or you doing X or Y or Z. See, 
Again, we don't believe that because, and I, I'm, not, I'm not disparaging anything, I just want to draw some, I want to just kind of show you what the difference is, right? We don't believe that you, you have to do X plus Jesus' sacrifice. We believe it was complete, total forgiveness, right? That's really important to understand. Um, the, that's one of our main doctrines here in the church, the total atonement of Christ on the cross, so we're going to close, and um, as you go through the devotion this week, I encourage you to fill in all the blanks in Leviticus. Go online, smcchurch.info, and click on devotional, and there you'll have readings throughout the entire week to kind of fill in all the little gaps in Leviticus, and then, you know, as we continue on through our study together, we're on a three-year journey through the entire Bible, um, preaching the Word of God exactly as it, as it presents itself through Scripture. Thank you for listening to the SMCC Sermon Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at smcchurch.net. That's smcchurch.net.